You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Guys, this is an exciting weekend here in the life of Grace Church. I want to welcome those of you who are at our Overland Park campus in the venue or in in the auditorium, those online. This is a weekend that we're going to be commissioning our Olathe campus team. And so a little later in the service, if you plan on attending the Olathe campus, we're going to invite you to come on stage with me, with us. We're going to invite our staffers. If you're on staff at Grace, one of our deacons at Grace, our pastors, we're going to gather around you lay hands on you, and pray for you. Ask God's blessing upon you. Very exciting weekend. Wanted to prep you for that a little later on. Hey, um, today I want to begin with a story. We're starting a brand new series. It's called Your Story. And so let me tell you a story from the Olympics in Rio. Here's a picture of our U.S. women's 4x100 relay team. Some of the baddest women on the planet. And in our preliminary round, I don't know if you heard the story, it started well. So here's Allison Felix. She has the baton in her left hand. It's firmly there. That's the way it should be. But a nightmare happened in the prelims when we dropped the baton. That baton should not be there, suspended in space. And because here's the problem. When you drop the baton, you're disqualified. Weeks, months, and years of training are over. It's done. So here's Allison Felix's emotions right after this moment. The baton's about to hit. Look at her face. Here is English Gardner's emotions. When she turns around, on, she's the leg three runner, and she's like trying to figure out how in the world this happened. We practice over and over. Don't drop the baton because you're out of the race. A different angle, though, showed that Allison was bumped. Here she collided with the Brazilian runner as she decides to run part of a race, apparently in our lane. And as Allison Felix ran over her, the collision knocked her back into her own lane. Look at her body shudder from the collision. And so the U.S. appealed. China said, no, we should not get another chance. But the Olympic Committee ignored China, said, yes, the U.S., we got another chance. And so here's the moment when the U.S. team was given a chance to run. It's surreal. We're by ourselves. Running a a preliminary heat by yourself is incredibly difficult we qualified, we ran in finals, and guess what? The U.S. actually won. Here's Allison Felix. She's the second one from the left. They used to call her, nickname her Chicken Legs to make fun of her. She's second from the left. Those Chicken Legs, by the way, can now leg press 700 pounds. Those are some awesome Chicken Legs. USA, USA, awesome legs. So here's the deal. Her story is incredible. All those ladies' story, just incredible story. But Allison Felix was involved in a relay race, much more important than the Olympics, long before that race. Here's a picture of her family. She was raised in a strong Christian home. Her dad is a pastor. He has a doctorate. He leads as president of a Bible college and teaches New Testament Greek. Her mom is an elementary teacher. She also teaches at the Bible college and is a noted conference speaker. Her brother is a sprinter as well. He became his sister's full-time agent. It's a family affair with them. And Allison Felix's family was, was very intentional about passing the baton of faith to her. They knew that even more important than running 
was the relay race of passing the baton of faith to their daughter. And so here's what Allison says about her own family. She says this, I've grown up with these amazing parents who are hard workers. They live out their faith. They're amazing role models. I picked up what they taught me. I grabbed the baton from them. For me, my faith is the reason I run. I have this amazing gift that God has blessed me with, and it's all about using it to the best of my ability. What happened to Allison? You see, she was passed the baton of faith from her parents, who received the baton of faith from somebody else, who passed it from somebody else, and back through history, best friends discipling you, a mom discipling you, a grandfather discipling you, somebody in church, a Sunday school leader, a student ministries leader, a best friend again, church leaders, all the way back to when the apostles received the baton from Jesus. The Baton of Faith 2,000 years ago. And so today we're talking a brand new series. It's called Your Story. A couple thoughts around this series. Number one, you have a story. And your story is incredibly important to God. We minimize our story sometimes. We'd like our story to be great. God thinks your story is incredibly important. Here's the other thought about this series. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Your story is a part of His story. Your story is a part of his story. His story is history is his story, God's story. You're in this larger narrative we're going to look at today. And so we're going to begin in Acts chapter 1. You can join me, Acts chapter 1, if you'd like. Our ushers have Bibles, and if you want to raise your hand, they'll give you a Bible to either borrow or keep, whichever one you want. Acts chapter 1. Today we're looking at the story of the church at Antioch. The story of the church at Antioch. The church at Antioch in Acts is the model church that we model our church, Grace Church, off of. And we're going to see two ways that God led both the planting of that church and when that church became a church-planting church, two different ways how God leads us. We're going to ask ourselves, has God been leading you in either or both of those ways recently? So here's our question. Are you allowing God to lead you in your journey? Ask yourself, are you allowing God to lead you in your journey? And how are you with the baton? This baton was passed from Jesus to the apostles. And they passed it on, and they passed it on from best friends and moms and dads and church leaders and best friends again and classmates and co-workers discipling people until... It arrives with you. Are you in the act of receiving the baton of faith? Are you in the act of passing on the baton of faith? Or has life happened, an incident happened on the track, and you drop the baton? Like, it is never too late. However long the baton of faith was dropped to sit, to get down again, pick it up, and begin running the race with Christ again. It's never too late. It is never too late. Let's pray. God, we ask you to meet with us, to open our eyes up to this larger race that you have for us, and show us these two ways that you do lead all of us. And God, if you have not led somebody to the point where they were surrendered fully to you, Jesus, where they made you Lord, leader, Savior, I pray your Holy Spirit would lead them to the place of full surrender to you and faith in you where their faith is in Christ, 
Their life is in your hands, their future direction. Please, may they surrender their life to you as Lord. We ask you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, our first thought today starts in Acts chapter 1. You can take notes if you'd like. Number one, God wants to lead your story. God wants to lead you in your story. He wants to do that. Frankly, God always tries. God is leading you in your story whether you recognize him or not. He's leading you, you in your story whether you want him to or not. He's always wanting you to surrender and say, God, I choose to let you lead me in my story. So the question is, what is God's story? We see that, by the way, in Acts chapter 1, down in verse 8. Here's the moment Jesus passed the baton of faith to his disciples. Acts 1, verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So if you receive Christ, you have the creator and resurrector living in your body. That is power. And you shall be witnesses to me. You'll tell people about Jesus and what Jesus has been doing in you. In Jerusalem, that's your city. And in all Judea and Samaria, that's your county and the neighboring county. And to the end of the earth. That's being a part of reaching all the 9,809 people groups in this world. There are, they're called ethnos in Greek, ethnic groups, ethnos. There are 9,809 and all of them have not yet received the baton of faith. That's what we're a part of. That's the church's commission. And throughout the Bible, this race, this Christian life is called a race. It's a race to get the gospel out. You can write down chapters that mention the race if you'd like and look at them later. There's 1 Corinthians 9. It's a race to get the gospel to people. 1 Corinthians 9. There's 2 Timothy 4. Finish your race well. There's Hebrews 12. You got witnesses in your race. It's an endurance race. It's also a relay race. You realize the the Bible is your baton. This word of faith is the baton passed down to us. He says that in Philippians 2, verse 16. Philippians 2, 16. Holding fast the word of life. Paul had gone to this church, planted the church. Paul had passed on the baton of faith to the Philippians. And now he says, don't drop the word of faith. Hold fast the word of faith so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain. It's a running race or labored in vain. Guys, we are called to hold fast our baton, the word of faith. What's it mean to hold it fast? It means you have a good grasp on the Bible. Do you have a good grasp of the Bible as a working document, a manual for life and direction and God communicating to you? This is why we have both grace studies and grace groups. Grace studies and grace groups starting, by the way, in just a couple of weeks. In fact, if you come in two weeks, an incredibly important weekend, be here. We have grace studies, grace groups out in our lobby. You can meet them, sign up right then. Why? We're trying to give you a good handle, a good grasp of the Bible. Hold fast the word of life. This is why we're reading the Bible together as a church. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, join us. Go to visitgracechurch.com slash Bible. You can sign up for email reminders every day during the weekdays, one chapter a day, plus a 250-word devotional written by our staff, our leaders. You can read to the Bible this year. Why is that important? To hold fast the word of life. And then when you're jostled, because life does jostle you, you don't just drop it. 
you got a good grasp on the baton. Okay, so now the question is this. So how does God lead us? How do you know life happening around you is actually God working around you? Or is this random chance around you? How do you know? There's two ways we can see this in the church at Antioch. Here's the first way if you're taking notes. You can write number two. Number two, God can lead your story through trials. God can actually lead you in your story through the trials you endure. And I'm going to go on record saying, I don't like it. I am not a fan of trials. I don't want more trials. But here's the truth. Some of the hardest times of my life were when God was leading me the most. And you see that in hindsight, but if you get mature in Christ, you see it in the nightmare you're in, that God is leading you in the pain while it's happening. And so here's the backstory. Jesus passed the baton to the church at Jerusalem. Church, get the gospel to the world. Go to your county, neighboring county in the world. Guess what the church at Jerusalem did? Nothing. They did absolutely nothing. They liked their school system. Why would I move my kids out of the school system? Are you crazy? I like my house. I'm not moving my house. I got a good career. I'm not taking a job transfer. Get, a, get another job. Are you crazy? I, I like my church, my city, my community, my house, my job. I am not moving. They held the baton, didn't go anywhere. And so God loved them so much that he let persecution happen. God sometimes lets bad things happen in our lives to prompt us to do what he was trying to do through this easy prompting of the Holy Spirit. You see that, by the way, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 in verse 1. Here was the persecution God allowed. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Acts 8, 1. His death, that's the first Christian martyr in history, the deacon named Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, the church that wouldn't go anywhere, wooden church plant, and they were scattered. They became the first Christian refugees in history. The first missionaries were actually refugees fleeing for their lives. And they were scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, where they should have gone willingly, except the apostles. They stayed. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, can you imagine this happening in our city in your apartment, in your houses. Doors of the apartments and houses getting knocked in at night. And Saul made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Can you imagine it happening in our community? How many people would actually entertain moving if this was happening? Can you imagine singles in their apartment? We gotta move. I can, I'm not moving. I, my, my family's going to... Listen, we've got to move. Our friends are in jail right now. Imagine parents. Honey, we got kids that are going to think about. I've always been here. We have got to move. But my job, my life, we got kids we got to think about. And decisions were made to flee. By the way, these things don't happen in our community. They happen to our brothers and sisters right now around the world busting down doors, arresting in jail for the crime of being a Christian. Wouldn't we think about moving if that was happening too? If you jump out to verse 4, therefore those who were scattered, they were Christian refugees, 
went everywhere preaching the word. In fact, here's a map of one of the places they went to. The map shows Jerusalem and Antioch. Here's Jerusalem in the south. The church that would not go anywhere. And, and so they, part of the people ended up in Antioch, the church that willingly went places. Antioch, let me tell you about it. It was the Chicago of the Roman Empire, population-wise. It was the third largest market. It had about a half a million to 800,000 people there at the time. And morally, it was totally immoral, just like Chicago. I mean, I mean Las Vegas. Just like, just joking. Just, imagine Chicago population with Las Vegas reputation. That's Antioch. And so jump over to Acts 11, verse 19, when these refugees arrived there. Acts 11, verse 19 says this. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, that's north, Cyprus, there's an island, and Antioch, there's our city, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Okay, that's good news and bad news. The good news is... They're sharing their faith. Are you sharing your faith with somebody these days? Are you telling people about Jesus? That's the good news. Here's the bad news. They would only tell people about Jesus if they were comfortable with them. They wouldn't go to people who looked different, ate different foods, different clothing. I'm only going to talk to, you know, pork-abstaining, Sabbath-observing, Bible-believing Jewish people. Not these Yehu Romans with their thousand gods. But... There were some mavericks who risked criticism and evangelism, got out of their comfort zone, verse 20. But some of them were men from Cyprus, there's the island, and Cyrene, yes, Libya. We owe a debt of gratitude to Libyans. Libyan refugees helped plant this church. Who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus They didn't preach Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. That's a message for Jewish people. Romans don't care about the Messiah. How are we going to communicate Jesus, not the Messiah, Christ? He's Lord. Do you get boss? Do you understand the boss? He is your boss. He is Lord. Ah, they get that. And when they did this, verse 21, God's hand was on the mavericks. And the hand of the Lord was with them who preached cross-culturally. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, the church that would not go anywhere unless they were forced. And they sent out Barnabas, or Barney, to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, you can see the grace of God in the people, or you can see it's not there, because grace is undeserved love. You can see unearned love in a people. He saw it. He encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. Guys, this wasn't the story that the church of Jerusalem would have chosen. They didn't want this story. This is a bad story. Not to do what God said, persecution, run for your life. And yet, God was willing to lead them through the hard times, through trials. God, maybe God's doing this in your life. There's so many examples. Here's one Bible example, one personal example. One Bible example you can write down is King David in 1 Samuel 22.1. 1 Samuel 22.1, King David, he found himself alone in a cave, abandoned and depressed. It was never a life, a path he would have chosen. But God led King David through the trials. In the cave, he wrote three of our 150 psalms. They're called the Psalms of the Cave. One of them, Psalm 142, Psalm 142. And there we find 
that if you're a person who have faith, it's normal for people of faith to suffer with depression. It's normal to be lonely. It's normal to find yourself alone. That's normal. It's part of the process. See, God uses that. Uh, here's a personal story from our staff. God leads you through your trials. Doc Hunsley on our staff, he was a doctor. He always wanted to be a doctor. He contracted an illness. He lost one of his lungs. Um, and so the lawyers at the, the hospital were afraid he would die and they'd have lawsuit. So he lost his career. He has no career. Then him and Kay had a son, Mark. Mark had special needs. And they lost their son, Mark. That was never a path Doc would have chosen. Who would choose that path for yourself? But now, God can lead your story through trials. He's passing the baton of faith to individuals with special needs. And households who have individuals with special needs. God can lead your story through trials. Have you experienced God leading you through this bad breakup? Or you lost your job? Or you're called to give up something you love. Or you endured months or years of depression. Or you had a major failure. Or you suffered the loss of a relative or the loss of a child. God can lead your story through trials. Some of our bad things are the best things in hindsight as God leads us. Well, that's one way God leads us is through the trials, but he also is a better, a more fun way, can I say? God leads us. That's number three. Number three, God can lead your story through the Spirit. And I'll go on record and saying this is more fun. To actually hear the prompting of God and realize that was God, not just a random thought you had, that was God, that is fun. Or to see him work some situation out. You can see this when the church at Antioch went from a good church to becoming a church-planting church. And that's what we hope for us. We're going from a church, Grace Church is a church, we want to be a church-planting church, like the church of Antioch. Acts 13, verse 1 tells that story. The Spirit led them to do this. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. They had a leadership team of five. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, there's a Libyan again, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Okay, if you map them on the Mediterranean, nobody was from the same place. They were, this is what one of our values, our ministry values spell Antioch. A-N-T-I-O-C-H is on our website. The T of Antioch ministry values is team leadership. That comes from here. Having a diverse team of leaders in every ministry, different perspectives leading together. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So somehow, some way, these leaders are worshiping God and somehow God prompts them to take 40% of their leaders and send them out, two out of the five, to be church planters elsewhere. The Spirit prompted them. I love how Luke, the author, doesn't tell us the details around that. We don't know if they were all in such great harmony, kumbaya, holding hands, wonderful relationship. We don't know if there was an underlying friction among those leaders. But God spoke. 
I love how Luke doesn't mention it because it's quite irrelevant. Because if God speaks it, he could use wonderful love or low-lying friction to to guide you to the Spirit's guidance. So they double-check the Spirit in verse 3. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. That's what we'll do. If you're going to be attending the Olathe campus of Grace Church, in a moment we're going to invite you on stage with me, our staff around you, lay hands on you, and send you away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. That's Barnabas' old home city, or home uh, uh, island. And when they arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John, John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark as their assistant. Okay, so here you see the church planting strategy of Paul. It was genius. He was a rabbi by training. And so he would go to a city and say, hey, where's the local synagogue? Over there. He'd show up. Hi, I'm a visiting rabbi. Rabbi, would you like to teach the Bible? Oh, you bet I would. He'd grab a copy of Isaiah, whatever, and he goes, now Jesus came. He's the Messiah. And they would intentionally cause a synagogue split. Half don't believe, half do believe. You take the believers and say, guess what, guys? You are a church. And they look exactly like a synagogue, except they knew Jesus came as Messiah. That was his church planting strategy. See, God can lead your story like he led these leaders by the Spirit prompting you, which is far more fun than being led through trials. There's so many more examples of this. I'll give you one Bible one, one personal one. A Bible example you can write down, Acts 16. Acts 16, the Apostle Paul had his missionary team stuck. He tried one direction. No, God said. Another direction, God shut the door. What am I supposed to do? And then God spoke to him. Take the gospel to Europe. So he did. And we're so thankful that he, he listened to the Holy Spirit. I went back, another example is a personal one. So I went back, I mean, I'm a bit nostalgic right now. I was trying to ask myself, what was I thinking back then 20 years ago to leave an engineering career at Black & Veatch? I'd worked for six years as an engineer at Black & Veatch. How would I leave to start a church? Not a traditional per- career progression. Uh, not upwardly mobile either. And so here I am, I went back to my notes and I said, uh, I looked at the story. I'm going to share a story on Facebook Live at 2 o'clock on Tuesday. If you want to join me 2 o'clock Tuesday, I'm going to share the story, things I have never told anybody, uh, details of hearing about how did I know that God was prompting me to leave my career to be a church planter. But three quick things I saw from my notes. One was strange coincidences. There were some strange spirit-led coincidences. So at the time, 20 years ago, I was praying about starting a church in Kansas City or Orange County, California. And I'd already been praying separately, I look back at my notes, about Columbia, Romania, KU, and St. Louis. And then in four days, I got four more offers. Uh, San Francisco, Indiana, Montana, South Africa. And here's the backstory: I had prayed forever, and it was silence, Nothing. And now there was 10 plus situations flying. I knew spirit-led, strange coincidences. God was about to do something. I didn't know what yet. And then there were people's comments. My own pastor's comments. See, my, our pastoral team said, Tim, we see we believe this God is doing with you. And if they would have said, we don't see it, I would have been a missionary in the engineering world. 
That'd been great. I loved it. Been a leader in the church, some capacity, evangelized disciple in my company or companies, wherever it's at. That's what I would have done. And then random people would make comments to me. Uh, a friend of mine named Brian Anderson came up. He didn't know I was praying about it. He says, hey, whatever's happening here in our church, I think you're going to play a major part in it. Random people making comments. And then specific prayer answers. I sat down in October of 1995, and I wrote out five desires. God, if I could have anything in a church situation, these five things would be there. I wrote it down. A couple days later, I picked it up again, and I prayed it one time. Once. And I put it away. Five months later, I'm sitting in a meeting with some, a church leader, and he starts rattling off the benefits of planting a church in the Kansas City area somewhere. And he lists all these, all these five things, including a specific number I wrote on my list five months before. I wrote down maybe a church size between two and 400. That'd be great. And he said, you know, Tim, we could send out, I don't know, maybe 200 people with you. Are you crazy? Like specific, even under numerical comments being made, answers to prayer. And guys, when you sense the Spirit speaking to you, it's awesome. You see the invisible God. You sense his presence. When is the last time you had a thought in your brain? And it was a good thought in your brain. A problem you're working on, something you prayed about, and you had the second thought. The second thought's the most important thought. Here's the first thought. Man, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to (gasps) do? That's gold. I had it happen this week. That's gold. Here's the second thought. (gasps) That's not gold. That's God. Do you have the second thought? Because God, I think God is speaking to you all the time. You just think it's your voice. God sounds like your voice in your head when he places a thought in your brain. Do you have the second thought? Is God speaking to you? When's the last time you saw a verse pop up? And here's how it happened to you. Oh, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about, a Bible verse. And then someone makes a comment. Are you talking about this? And I go to church and offhand comment, and, and I, see the, I turn on the radio. So they're singing about this? Are you crazy? Like everything is happening when the Spirit of God is speaking to you. God wants to lead your story. He really does. And he wants you to surrender yourself to his leadership. And he'll lead you through trials. He will absolutely do that. You'll probably learn more, have more Christ-likeness through the suffering. But it'll also lead you to the Spirit of God, which is awesome and fun. Let's go back to when the USA team re-ran their qualifying time. There's a picture here. This was the moment when they're running alone on the track when they dropped the baton the last time. Can you imagine how much stress is in them? When they, this is the, the last time they dropped it. They failed before. Don't miss this. They failed and dropped the baton before. But sometimes God allows you to fail on purpose so you have greater focus. It's through our failures that God changes us. We have greater focus on the baton. Don't drop the baton. Are you allowing God to lead you in your story? Guys, he loves you. He's trying to lead you. He's speaking to you, prompting you, setting up circumstances around you. How are you doing with this baton? This is the baton of faith that Jesus passed to his disciples, to best friends, to classmates, to co-workers, to moms and dads, to grandparents, Sunday school teachers, student ministry leaders, best friends again, to you. The word of life that brings you and others to life. Are you receiving it? Get a better grasp on the Bible? Are you passing on the baton to somebody else? This 
This is God's story, his story, history. Let's pray. God, we just come to you and we don't, I thank you so much for the, just the story of the church at Antioch. I think of the story of the church of Jerusalem. We can learn from failure. Uh, God, how you allowed persecution to accomplish what willingness would not, the prompting of the Spirit would not. I think of the example of Antioch. God, we, I pray you continue to build our church character and heart with the spirit of the church of Antioch in the book of Acts listening to your Holy Spirit and being willing to be part of church planting both here and around the world. And I pray for those people who have not yet given their life to Jesus, please, may they surrender their life to you. God, right now, whether they're online somewhere or they're here on this campus, If there's never been a time that they fully surrendered to you, Jesus, God, please, in prayer, may they cry out to you now. May they pray, dear Jesus, I recognize you as Lord, as leader. Jesus, I place my faith in the fact that you died and rose for me. Jesus, right now, I receive the baton of faith from you. I surrender. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. My life is yours. My body is yours. My household is yours. My career is yours. My education is yours. My money is yours. My hobbies or my free time is yours. Everything about me is yours. I am surrendering myself as an act of worship and service to you. I pray if you would pray that and surrender to you, Jesus and you might birth new life inside them. Please. We ask you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.